the 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911. There sure will be. It's uh, Thursday, February 22nd, 2024. I'm Dave Congleton. Good to be with you on Hometown Radio. Hope you're well. Thanks for hanging out with us. Craig and I are with you all the way until 7 o'clock on this broadcast today. During the 4 o'clock hour, it turns out that there has been a meeting uh, yesterday and today of the California Sheriff's Association. So Sheriff Chad Bianco from Riverside County is going to be our guest. He has a lot on his mind. I encourage you to stick around and listen to what the sheriff has to say. Eric Gorham at 5.05 will give him equal time. We had Tom Folks in here on Tuesday night talking about how the Democrats are viewing the upcoming primary. Let's hear from the Republicans. Eric will give us that perspective. Gary J. Freiberg at 6.05 plays the name game. It is a Dave Congleton show, always your hometown radio talk show. This first hour, Jennifer Martin, good friend and regular contributor to this broadcast, is here. She came in at my invitation to talk a little bit about an upcoming concert at Slow Winds. We also wanted to talk a little bit about George Gershwin, and this month marking the 100th anniversary of the iconic music Rhapsody in Blue, and we will certainly get to all that. But first, let me start by welcoming Jennifer back to the broadcast. Jennifer, good afternoon. Hi, Dave. Great to see you. Thanks for coming in. Uh, but we would be remiss if we didn't start the show by talking about the late, great Gary Lamprecht. Indeed. For people who are not aware, we lost Gary last night. Um, longtime teacher at Moore Bay High School, founder, the man behind Vocal Arts Ensemble, why am I talking? Well, Gary, Gary was a real musical fixture in our town, for sure, and for a long time, um, mover and shaker in the music world. And, and it wasn't only Morro Bay High, although that'd certainly be enough. Um, it was also slow high school at the same mm -hmm. time. Um, that's the way that job was set up. And, and he really built those programs to, to ones of great esteem, and then started the Vocal Arts Ensemble, a community choir here in town. Has very successful concerts. Has very high musical standards. Um, very devoted membership uh, and devoted following uh, in town. He'll be greatly missed. He uh, built an international following. He took these singers, as you're aware, Jennifer, and he took them around the world to compete. Right. And they brought home the gold. Right. Exactly right. Yeah, he likes to compete. Some some uh, community groups don't care for competing, but uh, but he did. And and uh, uh, I know from people. I have many friends who've sung in that choir and who presently sing in that choir. And and the the standards are so very very high down to uh, you know how they dress for concerts and it's all very standardized and 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 they all buy into it because of. of 
devotion to him. And singing in their original language. That's right. That's right. right. If the song was written in German, they had to learn the German. Right. Exactly right. Yeah. I had a lot of contact with Gary. I can't say we were close friends, no. but, but I had a lot of contact with Gary when I was running the CPAC. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, Gary would uh, come and, and to rent the hall and so forth. And we always had good relations. It was... Uh, uh, he wanted things in a specific way. Yeah. You know, he he was a my way or no way kind of guy, right? <laughs> um, and and the thing is, it proved to be successful. I, I would. Th- I, I, that's a different world for me, Jennifer. But I would imagine to be with that kind of choir, you would have to have those kind of exacting standards. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen you work with your musicians. Right. You're pretty. You have a pretty high standard. Right. Right. Where, where Gary differs from me and some of my colleagues is that it, it, it was beyond just the musical standards, right? It, it was, this is how we act. This is how we, you know, this is how we be professional on stage. Um, instrumentalists like myself tend to be a little bit more, yeah, we're going to go on stage and we're going to play and then we're going to go home. And, uh, <laughs> and a lot of time with, with, with choirs and, and uh, with Gary's organization, no, it's, it's this way. This is how we walk on. This is how we walk off. This is how we dress, uh, et cetera. And, and the point is it made a great package, right? It was all something that, that Gary knew what to do and he demanded it to be that way. Now, a couple of things I want to mention. Tomorrow, I'm giving some time to some members of the Vocal Arts Ensemble. We're going to uh, have a gathering and do a fitting tribute to Gary. Excellent. And I also understand that Saturday, there's an event at the Mission. I don't know about at that. 12, at uh, 1230, uh, there's going to be a community sing-along at the Mission from 12.30 to 1.30. So, I did, I did hear that, actually. Right. That would be a great, come and sing. Yeah, just, just come and sing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in town that day, and I'm going to try to drop by. I mean, isn't that, isn't that his, his legacy? Not just um, that of the educator and all the young people he worked with, right. but he got the community singing. That's exactly right. And, and, and that's, uh, those of us who do community groups, as you know, I do both. You know, I'm a town and gown uh, sort of person. And, and, and that's what you want. You want people to, to be involved in music for their entire lives, that it's not something you just do in school and, and quit. Right. Yeah. So people coming out and paying tribute to him in that way will be a great thing. All right. So uh, Gary Lamprecht, we lost one of the giants in this community. He passed away last night. Mm-hmm. Details to follow. Mm-hmm. Community sing along 1230 to 130 Saturday at the mission. And we'll carve out part of the show tomorrow to remember Gary. Short break. We will come back and continue our conversation with Jennifer as well. I'm Dave Congleton. This is Hometown Radio. This is the Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show. Jennifer Martin is in studio with me today. We had invited Jennifer to come in and just check in about slow winds and talk a bit about George Gershwin. We started off, though, acknowledging the passing of the late, great Gary Lamprecht. But on a more positive note, uh, Jennifer, how are things going with slow winds? Do you have a big concert coming up? Things are very well. You know, we're, uh, we had a, a coming back process after covid Right. You shut a group down for two years and it takes a little bit of momentum uh, to build up to get us back. And we are back. We are sounding great. The players are sounding great. And our next concert is uh, Sunday, Saturday, excuse me, March 16th. 
um, in the beautiful CPAC on the Cuesta College campus. And it's the concert that we, we share every season with the Cuesta Wind Ensemble. So it's very much a town and gown sort of yeah. affair. Um, the, the reason we do that is we hope to inspire the younger musicians of the Cuesta Wind Ensemble uh, to something to aspire to, because uh, the Slow Winds are a very experienced and very outstanding group. And also, uh, the, the wind orchestra gets the time to kind of support the next generation mm. coming up. So uh, the concert on the 16th, the, the Slow Winds section, are be, uh, will be two works. We're calling it Folk Songs and Symphonies. Folk Songs and Symphonies. Folk Songs and Symphonies. The, right. the first work, work that uh, we'll perform is the, um, is the uh, Symphony Number no. 6, uh, the Symphony for Band by American composer Vincent Persichetti. Uh, who was a New York composer, passed a few years ago, uh, Pulitzer Prize nominated, wonderful composer, and uh, he wrote 10 symphonies, and his sixth one, sixth one was for wind ensemble, was for band, and we'll be performing that. And uh, then the second work is the uh, a work called Symphonic Songs for Band by Robert Russell Bennett, another American composer. And it's a three-movement work, uh, celebration, spiritual, and so forth. And it's not quoting any American music, but it's uh, it's a, the flavor of of of, um, of folk songs um, from the yeah. American culture. It's very very cool work. Robert Russell Bennett was a very interesting guy. Um, he was the orchestrator for all of the Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals. Yeah. So. What happens in Broadway shows and other things is the composer will write a, a piano score, right? They compose at the piano and they write a piano part. Then it's up to somebody else to write it out for orchestra and, you know, assign this to the clarinets and this to the trumpets and, and so forth. Robert Russell Bennett was that guy for Rodgers and Hammerstein. So his fingerprints are all over Sound of Music, South Pacific, et cetera, et cetera. And what did he bring to all that music because we're always singing Rodgers and Hammerstein. Right. It's, it's, it's the combination of instruments that really gives the music its sound. Uh, besides just the notes and how they're performed, it's, it's this concept of orchestration, of assigning, assigning parts to different instruments that you hear and you go, yeah, that's Rodgers and Hammerstein. In fact, you're also hearing um, Robert Russell Bennett. Hmm. All right, so folk music and more. Yeah, that's right. Mm. That's How right. do people get their tickets? Tickets are, are available at the website slowwinds.org. That's S-L-O, wins, all one word, dot org, and at the door. Is, is San Luis still a last-minute town? Are you still yes. you know, counting down the days? Oh, we have two days left. Now people are going to come in. Right, right. We always panic a week out, and uh, that's true for the college things and for groups like Slow Winds. And then... Poof, there's good audience at the end. Is this typical? I mean, you've lived other parts of the country, or mm -hmm. is this something unique to the Central Coast? It's not unique, but it's more prevalent here. Why do you think say. that is? I have no idea. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, we're a little bit of a laid-back town, and uh, maybe that plays into it. There's so many temp tempting things. We wait to the last minute. Okay, mm -hmm. what is it that we want to do? Right. So we'll go. Sure. Well, we're that way ourselves in our lives, right? Mm -hmm. You probably are too. It's, it's, yeah, there's so much to do. And, and, and that's a wonderful thing, isn't it? In our little county, there's so much activity, particularly arts activity. It's one of the reasons I applied for the job at Cuesta when I came. Um, but yes, so uh, what do I do today? I think I'll decide to go here. <laughs> yeah, but you had expectations when you came in in terms of the arts community. Mm -hmm. What's been the reality for you? Well, 
Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be real frank. It, it, the reality has met the expectation. We, we yeah. have an amazing set of both in schools and in community members like Slow Winds um, and like uh, the Vocal Arts Ensemble, right, Gary's group, that uh, for the size of our town and the size of our county, it's incredible the quality of musicians that we have here. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, we're, we're coming to a place in the demographics of our county now that there aren't um, uh, as many uh, young families coming here uh, price of real estate and mm-hmm. so forth. That um, the the school programs have had challenges, you know, staying up, and especially then COVID happened. Um, and and then people in the community who are these fine artists are starting to age out a little yeah. bit, and and so yeah, it's been a challenge. So we're we're in a transition place right now. Well, are there people who are stepping forward to replace mm-hmm. those of us who might be retiring? Right. Um, in in most cases, yes. But if you look at the um, the membership, for instance, of the Slow Symphony um, or the Opera Orchestra. Um, in the professional situations, uh, the people's retirements and passing away and so forth has had an effect. And so you see more and more musicians, for instance, hired from L.A. and Santa Barbara. I see a lot of gray on the stage, but a lot of gray in the audience. Yes, absolutely. And all of us, uh, you know, opera, symphony, et cetera, are all about uh, trying to make uh, inroads into the younger crowd in the audience. And, and from a personal point of view, we're looking at organizations like the world-class orchestra, uh, the Los Angeles Philharmonic. You know, we're so lucky to have them and the San Francisco Symphony close by to us. When I look at the audiences at, at both of those organizations on Friday nights, right, they typically do like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, yeah. Sunday series. Um, when you look, they go out of their way trying to attract a younger crowd one night a week. They they make it known. It's uh, you don't don't wear your suit, don't wear your you know nice clothes. Just come in your blue jeans. Just you know make make it your nicer pair of blue jeans. We're maybe. not gonna we're not gonna bite you. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And and by the way, if you have your phone on and you want to blog the concert, go ahead. Right. right. Instead of. For forbidding all that stuff, and so we're we're trying we're trying to make that. And is it working? Yeah, these other groups. I think so. You know, and one of the reasons that that the the wind orchestra does the children's concerts um, every October. You know, we pl- we play as you are well aware because you were so much a part of it this last time. Um, we we play to eight hundred fifth graders um, every year. And for that exact reason, if you're not, you don't have to play an instrument necessarily. You don't have to sing. We hope you do. But if not, at least become part of the, your life's habit that you go out and enjoy the arts. Well, put a plug in for Slow Winds. How do people become a part of the ensemble and what are you looking for? Right. Um, if, if, if you're interested in, in playing in the ensemble, if you play a wind or percussion instrument and, and you're interested, uh, we always have openings here and there in the sections. Uh, especially, you know, in the instruments that are hard to get, right? There are few, fewer people that play bassoon than play clarinet, for instance. Um, and so, yeah, if you're interested and if you think you might qualify, we do audition you. Um, then just contact us via that website, slowwinds.org, and, uh, and we'll be right back in touch with you. Do schools continue to give out scholarships for musicians? Colleges, like if, yes. Yeah, like if you play the the bassoon, mm-hmm, you, sure, you could get a scholarship. 
Absolutely. Because they're looking for, hey, we need a bassoon player. You know it. Uh, when when a, a young couple comes to me and their child's interested in in playing trumpet, I say, hey, tr- playing trumpet is fantastic. Please play the trumpet. If you want to get a scholarship, you might think about oboe or bassoon. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, absolutely true. I remember all my friends in college, uh, all those players had scholarships, and me, the trombone player, didn't. <laughs> There was discrimination against trombones. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Uh, you have the concert in March. Is that the end of the season, or is there another one? No, there's another concert in May then, and um, and that concert's going to be fantastic. Not, lots of varied music, uh, lots of American music, Howard Hansen and, and others, Percy Granger, and uh, that happens in May, and you can find that on the slowwinds.org website. Uh, I don't know Howard Hansen. What should I know about Howard Hansen? Howard Hansen is a Pulitzer Prize-winning American composer, mid-20th century, he was president, uh, president of the Eastman School of Music hmm. in Rochester, New York. He was its founding president and its president for 30-some years. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, Jennifer Martin is here. So the other thing we want to talk about is Gershwin. Mm-hmm. 100 years yeah. of Rhapsody in Blue. Yeah. I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was reading about it this morning. Uh, it opened on February 12th, 1924. Mm-hmm. It was a matinee. It wasn't an evening right. performance. Right. It was a Tuesday also. A Tuesday. Right. Um, it, it was part of a concert that was put together by a variety of people in New York City called An Experiment in Modern Music. So the experiment was not like what would be more common when you thought those terms. Mm-hmm. Right. You might think of something kind of wild and and a funny harmony and, and that kind of thing. But, but the point of this particular concert was um, making a nexus between jazz and classical music. Um, mm. And the, the Gershwin Rhapsody in Blue was by far the hit of that concert. Yeah. Um, the other pieces uh, never really <laughs> caught on, never really got further performances. And I guess the air conditioning wasn't working or yeah, something. Yeah. It was in an old hall in New York City called Aeolian Hall. Yeah. Uh, no longer exists. And not only was the air conditioning bad, it uh, it was sat on top of um, uh, uh, subway uh, passage. <laughs> so every now and then you hear a little rumble, you know, <laughs> under your seat. And uh, yeah, it, it was it was kind of a place for inexpensive concerts. How old would Gershwin have been in 1924? Like late 20s? He died in 37. Right. So um, and uh, he was born in. Let me check my ad libs here. Uh, born <laughs> in. Um, uh, uh, d- 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 I have it right here. Here we go. 1898. Okay. Yeah. 26. So 26. So he's basically the same age as when Orson Welles made Citizen King. Interesting. Interesting. It's all downhill from there, right? <laughs> Jennifer Martin is with us from uh, Slow Winds. Off we go. We've got news and traffic and weather. We're going to come back. Uh, we'll remind you of the concert coming up in March. But we want to talk about Rhapsody in Blue. It's been 100 years. Just uh, an incredible piece of music. And we'll tell you the story behind it right here on Hometown Radio.
commercial. Forget it. <laughs> you have a way to play YouTube. Uh, Jennifer Martin is with us from uh, Slow Winds. Uh, among many topics this afternoon, we're marking 100 years of the classic, iconic Rhapsody in Blue. Uh, this is Leonard Bernstein conducting and playing the piano, 1976 New York Philharmonic. Right. So that's a thing a few people can do, <laughs> um, both both play uh, the solo part and conduct it. And Bernstein was one of a kind. Uh, you're the musical expert. I am the neophyte, but I love this music. What makes it so special? Right. It was the, the first piece uh, that, that purposefully tried to meld jazz music with classical music, with symphonic music. It wasn't the first time it was tried. It had been tried prior. But it's the first one that was really highly successful um, and that caught audiences' ears. Um, the whole world, really, of American classical music changed in 1924 um, with, with that piece. Um, it, uh, you know, our tradition, our meaning American tradition of, of classical music, putting that in quotes, what we call classical music, is a much younger tradition than other places in the world, right? Orchestras, groups such as mine and so forth, um, make our way in life by playing music of uh, dead white guys from Italy and yeah, Germany yeah, yeah. And, and so forth. And really with Gershwin for the first time, and then, and then Copeland after Gershwin, um, the world became aware that there is an American symphonic music sound. And what is that? That sounds so different. That's uh, jazz. It's, it's the jazz influence that, that caused that. So this is 1924. Mm -hmm. As we mentioned earlier, Gershwin's 26. What, he, what had he done prior to this? Right. He was a Tin Pan Alley composer. Right. So... Um, uh, Tin Pan Alley being a, a concept in, in New York City for Broadway shows, Broadway reviews, which were much more popular back then. Broadway shows are still very popular, of course. But, but the reviews, you know, the, the, the famous promoters who would put on, you know, dancing girls and feathers and, you know, orchestras and so forth. Um, Gershwin wrote a lot of songs for that scene and, and a lot of, um, movie music. Uh, if you if you've seen Fred Astaire movies, for instance, um, a lot of those movies were the songs were written by Gershwin. So um, Swanee, right? Um, uh, Wonderful, yeah. um, etc. Th those uh, that's what Gershwin was doing, making his living, and how be how he became popular. So how did he get from there to a seventeen minute masterpiece? Right. That is as you just described, changed music forever. Right. Well, um, Why is he that guy? He, uh, a, a person, a band leader named Paul Whiteman, um, heard Gershwin play some classical music and some what we might call light classical music um, in a concert in New York City. And he contacted Gershwin because uh, Whiteman had had this idea of this concert of, uh, you know, adventures in new music. And he contacted Gershwin and said, I would love for you to write a concerto, a serious piano concerto 
but using a jazz band, not a symphony orchestra. So that was the, the first iteration of this piece. It was Paul Whiteman's band, uh, which was you know a jazz band of, of, of that time. So saxophones, trumpets, trombones, rhythm section, some clarinets. That's where that famous clarinet yeah. solo we just heard uh, came from. And, uh, you know, that's what, that's what we want. And, and we think it's going to be a success. And it was a giant success. Gershwin wasn't known as a classical music person. So this was a jazz band piece with piano soloist, right? And also written in a very short, relatively short amount of time. Yes, absolutely. Like a three month period or something. It was in a rush. Why, uh, why did Whiteman want this? It was an event tied to this because it was February 12th. Right. It was that concert coming up um, at Aeolian Hall in New York City with other composers' works on the concert mm -hmm. as well, which would be typical. And But that was the piece that really, really hit. And then it became such a hit. By the way, the critical review was mixed. Uh, the reviewer for the, for the New York Times loved it, spoke highly of it. That's what probably made the piece continue. Um, other newspapers and music journals and stuff, so-so. Eh, why? Why? Well, they thought it was kind of a, a bird out of water, oh. so to speak, right? It was, it was neither fish nor fowl. Um, wasn't exactly classical, wasn't exactly, in their eyes anyway, and it wasn't exactly jazz. There's not improvisation in it, for instance, like a, like a, a jazz piece would typically have. Um, and so it was a mixed review, but the public dug it. The, the, the public got in, word passed around very quickly. They decided to take the piece on tour, Paul Whiteman and Gershwin. Um, and Gershwin's brother, Ira, who right. was the lyricist for much of uh, George's songs and so forth, became involved, didn't write words to this, but he became involved in the promotion of the piece and so forth. And so they took it on tour, and it was reorchestrated, right, reassigning um, of instruments to a little larger orchestra, more of a classical orchestra, what we would typically, typically call a pit orchestra. So the kind of orchestra that you would see in older, especially Broadway shows. So it included violins, for instance. Hmm. Um, and now the piece had a little more of a, a classical flavor to it. And it became so big, it was then orchestrated for a big symphony orchestra. And that's the way we hear it now. Um, and also transcribed later for Wind Ensemble. I've done it for Wind Ensemble uh, twice with Rudolf Budginis, as that's right. many of yeah. your audiences yeah. know. And um, I did it with, with symphony orchestra uh, down in uh, Southern California uh, in, the, in the 80s. So... It, be, it became popular in that way. And then, then here's the deal. Kind of like I was mentioning before with Robert Russell Bennett orchestrating Rodgers and Hammerstein tunes and being responsible for that sound. Gershwin didn't think that he was experienced enough at age in his 20s, right, mm -hmm. to, to do that orchestration work. So he had somebody else do it. And that guy was named Ferdy Grofay. Ferdy Grofay. Ferdy Grofay. There's a name right there. <laughs> Ferdy Grofay. Now, Grofay became famous not only for orchestrating Rhapsody in Blue, but he wrote a piece many of our audience members might know called the Grand Canyon Suite. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Go to Disneyland, ride yeah, the train, yeah. you hear the, yeah, <laughs> you hear yeah, the yeah. Grand Canyon Suite. Yeah. And so that's, that's how the piece became classical. Yeah. 
But also, you're, you're forgetting the big part, 1970s United Airlines yeah. TV commercial with Gene Hackman. <laughs> That's right. Never identified as Gene Hackman, but that was Gene Hackman. Yes, yes. And exactly. that, that made the song, I think, popular to a lot of people who made I was like, where is that music from? Right. Because it's so dynamic. Yes, right. And, and talk about that, please, from a musical point of view. With this, this is, to me, so powerful. Right. The passion of the city. Absolutely. Comes alive. Absolutely. It's been billed throughout its history kind of as the sound of New York City. Yes. Um, and, uh, and it's very much true. And, and it's, it's that jazz element, right? It's, it's kind of music from the jazz age. Right. And, and you can kind of picture people walking along the boulevard, right? In their, in their fancy clothes and stuff. It's, it's that kind of, it's that taste of music. I remind folks, I know, uh, Woody Allen's out of vogue, mm. but his classic movie Manhattan yes. opens with all these shots of New York and what's playing? Gershwin. Right. Right? Rhapsody in Blue. Right. To capture exactly what Woody Allen was trying to get across. That's right. And then it's all Gershwin music throughout the movie. Sure. Sure. And and, and one of the, without getting too musicological, because, uh, you know, people would turn off their radios in droves, um, <laughs> Uh, what happens musically is is in 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 strict classical music of of the day. You, you hear chords and things made up of three notes, right? Made up of three notes played at once. Right. In Gershwin, because of the jazz influence, you hear four note chords and five note chords, right? And it just lends a, a flavor of the city. Um, it's Manhattan. You can picture the 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 skyline and so forth. Yeah, yeah. Let's take a call. We've got Tim in Morrill Bay. Hey, Tim. Hey, Dave. Tim Cleave. Tim, how are you? How are you, Mister Hotel Man? How are you, buddy? <laughs> well, good. Uh, just happy to have hear about uh, Rhapsody in Blue. We actually have a room by that name at our hotel. <laughs> I saw the article in the paper. Yeah. Well, I I really enjoyed. Uh, uh, performing with Jen and, and the Quest group. They are they have a really great program. Oh, thank you, Tim. Uh, we, we couldn't do Gilbert and Sullivan without you. <laughs> we had a, a, a jazz trio play at our chamber mixer uh-huh. called Paper Menu, uh-huh. and they learned a couple of Gershwin songs along with theirs others, and we really enjoyed it. Uh-huh. May I recommend uh, Tim's and his family's hotel there in Morro Bay? We we attended um, uh, the the kind of grand opening weekend, um, and 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 the the Cleeths are wonderful musicians. Uh, they're just wonderful musicians in our community. And we went to the hotel, and it's called Rhapsody in View. And so all if I can, I'm Very probably good. stepping on you here, Very Tim. Good. But but all the rooms are named after Gershwin songs. Uh, it's fantastic. Well, but this is the obvious place to ask Tim. He's got to be a Gershwin aficionado to devote his hotel to Gershwin. Why, Tim? What is it about Gershwin for you? You know, it captures the uh, American uh, uh, persona, you know, I think. And, and my kids, I have my son and his wife, really love dance, and they love uh just the Art Deco uh, era, and so it was. They came to me and they said, "Hey, we really want to do this." And I said, "You know, that sounds like a great idea." I like it. There, there, everybody deserves to do a staycation at Rhapsody in View in uh, in Morro Bay. I mm-hmm. recommend it highly. There you go. All right, Tim. Thanks for checking in. Short break. We'll come back for a final segment with Jennifer Martin. We're live. We're local. You're listening to the Dave Congleton Show.
Well, it's a marvelous night for a moon dance with the stars above in your eyes. I'm told that Sheriff Bianco is in the lobby. We will uh, meet the sheriff of Riverside County after news at the top of the hour. Meanwhile, we're in our final segment with uh, Jennifer Martin from Slow Winds and Cuesta College, inviting everyone to come to the big concert in March. We'll remind you of that as we start to wrap things up. I also remind you that a tribute to Gary Lamprecht will be held this uh, Saturday at the Mission from 12.30 to 1.30. Gary passed away last night. We will uh, give him a tribute tomorrow on this broadcast. Meanwhile, with Jennifer, we're also marking 100 years since the premiere of the great uh, music Rhapsody in Blue by George Gershwin, February 12, 1924, in New York City. This must be a difficult piece to play. It is. It is very. It's Was it intentionally, the, intentionally so? Well, it, that's kind of. It's one of the functions of a concerto, right? Is to show off the soloist. Um, we've we've been happy to do it a couple times here in town with Rudolph Budginis, and and he just eats it up and chews it out like he does everything else. Yeah. He makes it look easy, but yeah. it's hard. It's difficult. Yeah. 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 And Gershwin, of course, went on to other things. But is this what he's most associated with? Yes, this would be his most uh, famous work of of instrumental music for sure. There are many of his songs uh, that are famous, and of course, he wrote the great American jazz and blues-influenced opera um, of the the 1930s. I mean, uh, you know, from Summertime and The Man I Love and and so forth. Porgy and Bess is a very, very important work, and he finished it the year that he died, the the year that he passed away, 1937. So he was 39 years old when he died. Yeah, Mm -hmm. uh, he's one of the people, like certain rock and roll singers we know and so forth, who... Gee, what, what if they hadn't passed? You know, what would they have produced? I think of people like um, uh, Jim Croce, for instance, right? Well, people who tell good stories. What, what, what stories would they have told in their 50s and then in, in yeah. their 60s and so forth? Gershwin is very much like that. Porgy and Bess is, is, a, is a groundbreaking work. Um, uh, telling the story of the Deep South, you know, and and uh, and black folk in the Deep South, in the concert hall, very important by a Jewish guy from New York. Exactly, exactly, and he he uh, couldn't get away with that today. Uh, it would be more difficult. <laughs> I think it would be more difficult. Yes, but uh, Gershwin uh, was complaining of headaches. Um, from about 1936, maybe late 1935. In fact, I've seen a letter uh, in the Library of Congress of uh, that he wrote to his mom, uh, obviously uh, responding to a letter of concern by her, um, where she says, uh, "You know, have you seen? Have you been to the doctor about these headaches?" And he says, "Yeah, mom, I know, I know. I'm going to get to the doctor pretty soon." And then um, uh, he was having um, um, hallucinations and. Um, and so forth then, and so they convinced him to finally go to the doctor, and uh, then he collapsed um, at home there in in, uh, Hollywood Hills, and uh, they determined he had a a brain tumor, and uh, uh, so the family and the doctors and so forth said, well, we need the brain surgery guy. Turns out he was on a boat uh, down south by South America somewhere. They flew that guy to, to New York, they changed flew. planes, wow. you know. And I mean, by that time, then Gershwin was just getting worse and worse, right? It took, you know, probably a day to get the doctor there. Uh, so they went, uh, before the doc, that doctor could get there, they went ahead and performed uh, brain surgery, removed a massive tumor. 
and uh, and he passed uh, very shortly after that. I am told that you have actually held the original Rhapsody in Blue in your hands. Yes. Um, so one of the things that I do is is study the the manuscript work of composers, um, of of comparing the work in their hand with their pencil on their paper um, to what gets published and, and that we all perform from. And and I learn as a conductor, I, I learn a great deal from that work because you can you can see a composer's workflow. Right. So Gershman is not one of my primary research topics. But while I was there uh, this past January, uh, I requested to see the, that manuscript. And sure enough, they brought it to me and set me at the desk. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's fascinating. It's no white gloves or anything. You just they just hand it to you if you have you know certain credentials. And it's not in you, plastic or anything. Uh, they bring it to you in plastic, but yeah, oh. you take it out of the plastic and oh. you you know. And there I am holding uh, you know the original orchestration, the jazz band orchestration with piano. Uh, and it's just uh, it brings tears to hold something like that in your hands. When you're holding that, Jennifer, what what are you what are you looking for? Are you trying to see if anything jumps off the page? I'm or? looking to hold it up close to my head and okay. hope some of the genius rubs off. Yeah, uh, because I need it. <laughs> uh, uh, no, it's it, it's it's really about uh, again their workflow. You know, what did they cross out? Yeah. Right? What did they write and reject? Self rejection, right? And then. Yeah, that was the better idea. You're right, George. That was better. Um, and, and you learn about their language harmonically and so forth. Did he struggle to write this piece? Yes. He struggled over everything that he wrote, except the pop songs, right? right. Those pretty much flowed out of What him. was the struggle here for him? The, the struggle there was about, in, about uh, integrating the jazz and classical issues. He was really aware that he didn't want it to be really jazz. He didn't want it to be really classical. He wanted a, a, a melting pot of the piece. And it was new. That was a new thing. And, and so he did struggle. There's a lot of rejection on the manuscript. But so I, is, we're talking about a balancing act for mm -hmm. the whole 17 minutes. Right. Jazz, but not too much of this, not too much of that. That's right. And, and he pulled it off? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Okay. And, and, and it shows right from the beginning of the piece. The, the ex excerpt that you played um, and which anybody can get, right? It's on your Spotify and your Cobas and all your listening streaming services. The beginning of it, the piano solo interlude there is is pretty classical. There are a couple of little blue notes, right, that we would recognize as jazzy, but it's pretty classical technique. And then what takes it over is that famous clarinet lick, right, where, where the clarinetist on the recording that you played, it's a guy named Stanley Drucker. And uh, see, I'm full of names with these guys. <laughs> um, uh, that it's, it's a technique called a glissando, right? Where you typically hear a trombone player do a glissando, yeah, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. So it's on clarinet here where, you know, he plays, plays notes and then, then just this gradual slide up, which is totally a jazz technique. So it was Gershwin laying down the playing cards, you know, here's some classical, here's some jazz. Where do we go from here? Was he classically trained? He, yes. In piano lessons, he didn't go to school. Uh, to learn piano. He didn't go to college. Um, but yeah, he took, uh, took serious piano lessons. All right, Jennifer, let's remind folks what's happening in March with Slow Winds, please. Right. On uh, Saturday evening, March 16th, 730, in the great, uh, beautiful CPAC at uh, Cuesta College is the San Luis uh, Obispo Wind Orchestra. 
playing folk songs and symphonies, music by Robert Russell Bennett and Vincent Persichetti. And on the concert also is the mighty Cuesta Wind Ensemble, another great wind band, another great concert band, playing music of Sousa and Granger and, 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 and Frank Tichelli, living American composer. Uh, it's going to be a great evening of uh, wind band classics. And tickets on sale as we speak. As we speak at Slow Winds, that's S-L-O-W-I-N-D-S dot org. And check out the website to see more about the concerts in May. In oh, May. Looking right. for sponsors? Always looking for sponsors. And we treat our sponsors well. We wine them and dine them and treat them really great. So, we're, yes, we're always looking for that. Uh, Jennifer, we so appreciate your time today. Uh, I got about 30 seconds for a final thought. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I appreciate you, Dave, having us into, uh, people like me in to talk about music uh, in, in our community and the history of music. Um, it, it's a tradition that we mustn't lose. So uh, tip of the hat to uh, George Gershwin and the great Rhapsody in Blue after 100 years. And hope to see folks on uh, Saturday, March 16th uh, for the Slow Wind Orchestra and the Quest of Wind Ensemble. George Gershwin died at 39, but his brother Ira led a full life. Yes, he did. He did. They lived next door to each other, by the way, in Beverly Hills. I, I've seen the houses. Well, I've seen the property. George's house has been raised, and there's a, you know that's what happens, right, in Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, and a new house is there, but Ira's house is still there. All right, uh, Jeffrey, <laughs> thank you. Off we go. News, traffic, weather. We've got the sheriff. This is the sheriff of Riverside County. Let's see what's on his mind. I'm Dave Congleton. The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kbec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.